together the book of Psalms. We're calling it a journey through the Psalms. And we've made it. This is a milestone, all right? We've made it to Psalm 100. Okay, apparently I'm the only one excited about that. Uh, good to know that, uh, I, that you're really fired up about that. But I, I thought it was a, a great milestone, Psalm 100. And uh, so we're going to have a great time. And by the way, Psalm 100 is uh, wonderful. It's majestic in its simplicity. And we're going to have a great time studying it tonight. So turn there with me to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. We'll get started here in just a moment. By the way, happy August. Can you believe it's August? Uh, unbelievable how quickly time uh, is moving. Really is, uh, really is unbelievable. And because it's August, that means we're that much closer to football season. Can I get a witness? It's yeah. All right. Good deal. Good to you. I didn't give you permission to cheer for your favorite team. I just was. I was just acknowledging that uh, it's football season. So uh, anyway, anyway. All right. Let me pray for us. I want to read Psalm 100. I think there's music on. Is there music? Y'all hear music? As much as I like accompanying music, can we can we get that somehow turned off? There. Is it off? All right. Good deal. Okay. Good deal. Because I'm not singing, so there's no need for for uh, music to be playing. All right. Am I off too? Testing. 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 Hold on one second. Testing, testing, testing. Now can you hear me? I'm on. Music's off. We're good to go. All right. Let's pray together and we'll read Psalm 100. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We're grateful, Lord, for another opportunity to gather as a faith family and, Lord, to study your word. Uh, Lord, to know that, that your word is truth with no mixture of error and that as your word goes forth, you uh, work, Lord, in our hearts by your spirit to Give us that, that gift of illumination to open the eyes of our hearts so we would see the truths of Scripture and understand the truths of Scripture and, Lord, understand how those truths relate to our lives. Uh, and, Lord, by your Spirit, you also give us that, that wherewithal, that inclination to respond, to obey, to adjust our lives, to come into greater conformity with your will and your way. And so, Lord, I pray that as we study your Word, you would uh, just move with power. I pray that the mighty and strong and precious name of Jesus would be lifted up in our midst, not just here in this room, but, Lord, in preschool ministry and children's ministry and in student ministry and, uh, Lord, step studies going on in our campus. Lord, all the, all the different things that are happening, I just pray that Jesus would be exalted and we would make much of him. And we ask and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, look with me. Psalm 100. It's designated in the small letters there as a psalm for giving thanks. A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray together. 
Uh, well, I just pray. But let me uh, let's uh, let's look there. Uh, I mean, I could pray again. You can't pray too much, but but we're going to trust that God heard the first prayer and He's going to bless our time uh, in that. Uh, look there with me uh, under that summary of the Psalms. Uh, the first one comes from Dr. Kendall Easley, and he reminds us that the Psalms have a theme. There are 150 Psalms. Uh, they are hymns that were written to be used in uh, the worship of the Jewish people. And there are some continual themes. And, and Dr. Easley writes, God, the true and glorious King, is worthy of all praise and prayer, thanksgiving and confidence, whatever the occasion in personal or community life. So the Psalms are constant reminders that uh, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we're going through, God is worthy of our worship and worthy of our trust. And uh, remember, they're songs. They were, they were used in corporate worship. And John Piper points this out when he writes, The Psalms are songs, they are poems, they are written to awaken, I like that, and express and shape the emotional life of God's people. So the Psalms help us to understand our emotions and what to do with them, how to, how to bring them to the foot of our Lord in worship. Uh, they, they shape the emotional life of God's people. Poetry and, sing, and singing exist because God made us with emotions, not just thoughts. Our emotions are massively important. And so the Psalms are constant reminders of that. Now, this 100th Psalm was written uh, with the overall theme of giving thanks. It was to, meant to be a, a, a template, if you will, to assist people in giving thanks to the Lord. There are uh, seven imperatives here, seven things we are told to do. And, and really, we're told why we need to do these things in verse 5 when it says, For the Lord is good. So we're, we're called to make a joyful noise and serve the Lord and sing and know and enter and praise. And, and, and why do we do all these things? Verse 5, For the Lord is good. His goodness is the impetus for what you and I do and how we engage Him in worship. And so the, the underlying idea in this psalm is that the Lord is good. So, I've got good news for you tonight. I've got a two-point sermon. Now, you know the, the standard for Baptist preachers is three-point sermons. But, amen. But it's only, a, from a preacher back there, but it's only, it's only a two-point sermon, which means we'll be done early. Y'all don't look, y'all don't look on me. All right. But uh, there's a lot of subpoints, so don't get too happy. But look, uh, look in this psalm with me. In this psalm, we see, first of all, a call to celebrate. A call to celebrate. And there are three areas of, uh, or three means, uh, or three avenues, if you will, uh, that we are called to employ in celebrating God. The first is to shout. So just write the word shout in that first blank. How do we celebrate? We shout there in verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Uh, that uh, phrase translated, make a joyful noise to the Lord, is the Hebrew word ruah. ruah and, and this word simply means to shout loudly. To shout loudly. The Lord rain, uh, uh, says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. But this 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 loud shout is to be accompanied with joy. This is a joyful noise to the Lord. The, the loud shout is to be joyful. Unfortunately, uh, 
and, and some of you can attest to this, unfortunately, in a lot of churches, the only shouting that goes on is shouting at business meetings. Right? And, and, and this is a joyful shout in view of how good God is. And so we want to see an increase in people spontaneously expressing their praise to the Lord, shouting out uh, glory and hallelujah and praise be to His name because He is worthy. James Montgomery Boyce writes, It would be accurate to express this idea of joyful noise by saying that the people of God, I like this, are to praise God loudly because they're happy with Him. I mean, if you're excited about something, you uh, express yourself, right? I mean, there's not going to be any problem coming up in September when our favorite teams take the field in joyful, loud expression, is there? I mean, there's chants and cheers and cowbells and, you know, uh, all, those, all those crazy ways that we, that uh, uh, war chant, tomahawk chop, I mean, you know, but, but there's, all these, there's, all these, there's all these different ways that we shout about things. We're, we're joyful about things that make us happy. Well, how about Jesus? Does he make you happy? Has he done anything worthy of praise and excitement and interest? And I mean, if, if we are really happy about Jesus, it should come out in the way that we uh, worship. There should be a joyful noise um, to uh, the Lord. Secondly, as, we call, as we're called to celebrate, we need to serve. Serve. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Shouting, um, exuberant worship should always lead to serving. And if your shouting doesn't lead to serving, then I wonder if your shouting was genuine. Do you hear what I just said? If you're if you show up and you have a good time in worship, and man, you're excited and you're there and you're engaged and they're singing songs you like, and a preacher keeps your attention for a few minutes and you leave, you feel it, you're feeling good about your worship, but it doesn't translate into you serving. I wonder what you were doing in that hour and 15 minutes. Were you really worshiping God and, and listening to God and surrendering to God and availing yourself to His will and to His way? I mean, did you really engage the Lord, or were you just there to kind of uh, check a box for the week? I believe that, that true worship, real worship, translates into serving. And if it doesn't translate into serving, then I wonder if the worship is the, is the real deal. Shouting should lead to singing. So he says, serve the Lord. And how do you serve the Lord? With gladness. With gladness. Serve the, oftentimes, we can find ourselves caught up in the... The, the day in, day out, or week in, week out, or month in, month out service of the Lord, and we can kind of lose focus and forget what it's all about, and we can find ourselves mumbling and grumbling, and woe is me, and, and, and we find ourselves perhaps doing good things, but doing good things with a joyless heart, and that doesn't honor God, does it? He wants us to serve Him with a joyful heart. He wants us to, to serve Him with uh, with 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 gladness. Now you know what uh, this is like or what it's not like. If you have kids, there's a difference between asking your kid one time to do something and they do it and they're and they you know they're polite and they and they go right away and you know they're smiling and and then there's the the 
the response where they don't listen to you and you got to raise your voice and then they go and they stomp off in the room, you know, that whole, that whole deal. I mean, they may, they may get the job done, but which scenario would you rather have as a parent? The joyful, quickly obedient child or the begrudging, angry, sullen child, right? And we, we know the difference. And I wonder sometimes what we look like from God's perspective as we're called to serve Him, to, to do what He tells us to do. I wonder if we look glad and joyful in our service. So we're to shout, we're to serve, and, and third, we're to sing. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness, come into His presence with singing. We've talked a lot about singing because the Psalms talk so much about singing. In fact, the context of the Psalms is, is singing, because th- these are all uh, songs to be used in worship. That's why they were originally written. Every one of these 150 psalms are hymns. They are songs. So the very undercurrent of this book is that we ought to sing. And singing is a gift from God. Music is a gift from God. It's a way He's given us to express ourselves. Singing truth about God to God allows us to remember some important things about the Lord. There's, there, there's something about songs that ingrain themselves in our mind and our hearts, right? And I believe that's one of the important reasons for singing. I mean, some of the, the first truth I learned about the Lord, I learned in song growing up, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the what? Bible tells me so. And, and God is so good. God is so good. I mean, we, we learn these truths uh, about God in song, and they stick with you, right? They, they stick in your mind and your heart. Uh, when I was a teenager... I got into the habit of listening to stuff I shouldn't have been listening to. And I look back on it now as a parent, I'm thinking, what in the world was I doing, you know, as I t- listen to these, these songs and uh, different genres of music. I can tell you all different types of music I listen to. But here's the, the sad reality about those songs. I can still quote them today. I mean, just like that. I mean, some, some bad stuff. I, it's just right there in my mind and my heart because there's something about a song that ingrains itself, right? So let's make sure we're listening and singing good songs that ingrain good truth and good thoughts in our hearts and our minds. Singing is a gift from God. It's a way that God shapes us, and it's a way for us to express our joy to Him. Come into His presence with singing. He's he's glorified when He comes into His presence with uh, singing. Uh, A call to celebrate. But not only in this psalm is there a call to celebrate, there is a reason, or there are reasons given to celebrate. So I want to just walk you through the different reasons in this psalm that we are given that ought to fuel our celebration, or tell us why we ought to celebrate. So let me just walk you through this, and, uh, and then we'll be through. Number one, why should we celebrate? Why should we shout? Why should we serve? Why should we sing? Number one, He, the Lord, is God. He is God. Now look what it says there in verse 3. Know that the Lord, this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, the God of the Hebrew people, the God who sent His Son through the Hebrew people. His Son's name is Jesus. He sent His Son for the sins of the world. And so this is the, the God that Psalm 100 is talking about the one true God, the only true God. There is none like God. There is none but God. All other gods are false gods. They are not real gods. They are pagan gods. Uh, They are idols. But this God is the one true God. So you say, know that the Lord is God. That word know means know by experience. 
That's, that's what that Hebrew word means. It's not just some kind of intellectual thing. Well, uh, you know, Wade told us that God is God, so God is God. No, it's I, I, kn- I know this God. I, I worship Him. I walk with Him. I have a personal relationship with Him. Know that He is God. He's the only God. He's a God that is knowable through His Son, Jesus Christ. So we ought to celebrate because He is God. There's no other God. He's the only God, and He should get our worship and our praise. So why should we celebrate the Lord, the, the God that we are here to worship tonight, and on Sundays, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus, that God, He is the one true God. Secondly, why should we celebrate? He made us. He made us. Look in verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. It is He who made us. That's a, a really remarkable phrase. But it's important to understand that everybody in this room, uh, every person that's ever been conceived is a person made by God and in the image of God. That's how special life is. That's a big deal, isn't it? Now think about what I just said. Now I was very careful with my words. Every person that's ever been conceived is a person made by God and in the image of God. So every person has intrinsic value and worth from conception all the way until the Lord should take them home in His own timing. That every life has intrinsic value and worth. And, and we ought to celebrate the fact that we are made by God. Here's how it says it in Psalm 139, Psalm of David. It says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't that cool? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Just, just an amazing thought. In Psalm 139 says that we are knit together in our mother's womb. It says that God has our days laid out for us. He, he uh, created us in our mother's womb uh, for a purpose. He has a purpose for our lives. God made us. Just think about how extraordinary our bodies are and how intricate they are and how uh, individual, uh, there's individuality in all of us. We're all made differently um, and, 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 and we're all unique. And we're all made in God's image. He made us. And so we get together week after week after week after week. We're getting together recognizing, hey, we are here to worship. We're here to acknowledge our Creator. The one who knit me in my mother's womb. The one who breathed life into me. That's the one that we are here to worship. We should, we should never get over the fact that God made us. We should be uh, just grateful of that reality and excited about that reality and thankful for that reality. You ever thought about uh, folks that buy into um, the evolutionary theory of human life um, that basically we're here because of um, the work of natural selection and evolutionary process and uh there's no there's no designer behind it all it is 
It is random. Uh, it, it, is, it is purposeless. It just, it just kind of happened and unfolded that way. Uh, someone that truly believes that, think, think about this, someone that truly believes that cannot be thankful. Who are you going to think? Right? Who are you going to think? Uh, man, my body's amazing. Well, I guess it's, I'm just glad it worked out that way, right? I'm glad that the evolutionary chemicals reacted in the proper way to give me my body, and so, yeah. But who are you going to think, right? Listen, we believe that we are made by God, and we're grateful, right? We know who made us, and that's an amazing reality. So, He is God. He made us. Here's the third thing. It gets even better. We belong to Him. Look what it says in verse 3. Again, this is God's covenant people singing to Him. Nation of Israel. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people. We are His. We are His people. This is a reference to their covenant relationship with God. Now notice in verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 5, God's covenant name is used. Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Whenever you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in your uh, Old Testament, it is the, uh, that is the, the uh, word given to represent the name of God. Sometimes it's pronounced Yahweh. It's the, the, way, uh, the designation for God's divine name, the name he revealed to, to Moses and the people of Israel. So this is, their, this is his covenant name. This is not just, you know... Uh, you hear people use God's name in a generic way. Yeah, I believe in God, right? Just like he's some kind of random force. Like, I believe in God. This, they're saying, we know God. He's the Lord. He's Yahweh. He's the one that entered into a relationship with us uh, through this uh, covenant. And we're his people. We belong to him, and they're excited about that. Now, now let me show you how this idea carries over to the church today. The nation of Israel, Psalm 100. Let me show you how it carries to the church today. Look with me in uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is Peter writing to Christians scattered throughout um, uh, Asia Minor because of persecution. And look, look what he says to these, these Christ followers. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, once you were not a people, you didn't belong to God, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here's what he's saying to the Christians. You belong to God. You have this special privilege of belonging to God. So you say, wait, how can I belong to the one true God? Listen to me. Only through Jesus. He's the only way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You'll never belong to the Father. You'll never be a child of God except through Jesus Christ. He's the only way to be saved. He's the only way to be redeemed. He's the only way, notice what it said there, he's the only way to step out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's only through Jesus. It's the only way that that happens. But once you embrace Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, 
had for me when I was nine. And once you did that, you became God's precious possession. You, you belong to God in a personal way. He became your father. You entered into a covenant relationship with him. And so we belong to him. I don't know about you, but in my hometown, if you were uh, meeting someone for the first time or getting acquainted with someone, uh, almost immediately someone would ask, who's your mom and dad? Who, who do you belong to, right? Who do you belong to? And once they knew who you belonged to, then they could kind of you know, know more about you and your family and, and, and all of that. And it could be good or it could be whatever. But, but they want to know who you belong to. Listen. We need to live in such a way and act in such a way and be joyful in such a way that when people look at us, they say, oh, those folks belong to the Lord. They're His, and they're excited about it, right? And so we should celebrate. Why? He's God. He made us. We belong to Him. And it gets even better. He, listen to this, shepherds us. Look back with me in Psalm 100. Notice what it says. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. And it gets more specific. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Now, one of the prevailing metaphors you see throughout Scripture is the metaphor of God being our shepherd. And it's one of my favorite ways to think about God. The Bible often compares us to sheep, and just know that's not a flattering comparison. Okay? Sheep aren't known to be the most brilliant of animals, right? Um, they're not real smart. They get themselves into trouble. Here's the thing about sheep. Sheep are very, very needy, right? And so when the Bible calls us sheep, it's a reminder we are really, really needy. We, we need the Lord, and, and we need Him to be our Shepherd. That's why Psalms like Psalm 23 are just so beautiful. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He, in other words, I don't, I don't want for anything because he gives me everything that I need. He provides for all my needs. He makes me lie down beside still waters. He restores my soul. He gives me peace. He, he picks me up and puts me back on my feet. He, he's with me even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm never alone because he's my shepherd. And, and he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. He, he, he's, he's, he's protecting me and watching over me even when surrounded by danger. And, and, and listen, everywhere I go, his, his mercy is following me, is pursuing me. And it'll be with me uh, all the days of my life and, and, and all my days in his house in heaven. He is my shepherd. And we see that over and over again in Scripture. In fact, over in John 10, Jesus said in one of his great I am statements throughout the Gospel of John, he said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know the sheep. The sheep know me. They hear my voice and they know me. And so God shepherds us. We're needy as sheep, and he takes care of our needs, right? Everything we need, God takes care of us. And so we should rejoice in the fact that, that God loves us so much. Listen to this. He never leaves us alone. He's always, he's always watching, uh, watching over, fussing over um, his children. Uh, Claire showed me a video uh, recently of... Uh, um, 
how people experience the beach um, as a couple with no kids and then how they experience the beach as a couple with kids. And, uh, and, and so the video showed this husband and wife, and they're holding hands, and they don't have, any, have no kids yet, and they're like, let's see how far we can swim out together. And then it showed the couple with kids. They're like, come back, you're going too far, come, come back, you know, and, and it's just the difference. And, and, uh, and, and so I've, I've experienced that. I've experienced the beach in both ways, and as a parent, you're, you're constantly watching, you know, you're, you're, there's sharks and undertow, and you don't get too deep, and come back, and put on some more sunscreen, and you know, you're, you're just constantly watching over them. Have you drank water lately? And you're just fussing over them, and, and that's just a picture of how God is with us. He's constantly just watching over us, constantly taking care of us, constantly giving us what we need. He is our shepherd. He shepherds us, and we should be grateful for that reality. So we should celebrate that he shepherds us. Next, we should celebrate because he is worthy of our gratitude. Now look what it says back in Psalm 100, verse 4. This is a call to the people of Israel as they came to the temple to worship. Look what it says. Enter his gates, as you come into the place of worship, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with with thanksgiving. So as you come to worship, you need to bring your thanksgiving with you, right? In other words, your thanksgiving, uh, your gratitude propels and compels you to go and worship. Go and say thank you to God. He is worthy of our gratitude. Now, I don't know about you, but I can get so busy with life sometimes that I can lose that that all-prevailing sense of gratitude. And, and I, I just forget to slow down enough sometimes to just say thank you for all that God has done. There's a song that's come out recently that I've really enjoyed called uh, Counting Every Blessing. And, and we, need to be, we need to be counting every blessing, uh, showing our gratitude to God for all that He has done for us. And listen to me, He's done a lot for you. And he's done a lot for me. I mean, we could, we could get the mic and, and pass it around the room and uh, just let you testify about some ways God has been good to you and, and you'd all have something to say. We'd be here all night long, wouldn't we? God has been so good to us and we should, we should show our gratitude. We should tell him thank you often. It should, it should accompany, accompany us when we come to worship. We should enter his courts with thanksgiving. I'm grateful for the day of the year that we call thanksgiving, but thanksgiving should not be a, just a holiday. It should be a, just a way of life, right? A way of life. I'm not talking about the food, but I'm talking about the actual... Well, I mean, the food would be okay, too, but I'm talking about the actual gratitude. We, we should uh, celebrate because He's worthy of our gratitude. Um, next, we should celebrate because He is worthy of our praise. We should celebrate because he's worthy of our praise. Look what it says back in verse 4. Enter his courts with thanksgiving, and his, cor- his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. So you've entered the gates, you're getting closer to the temple, you're entering the, the courts that surround the, the temple complex. As you get closer and closer to the place where the, the holy place is, and the Holy of Holies, and the Ark of the Covenant, and the sacrifices take place on the altar, and the place where the incense is burned, and the showbread is placed, and and uh, all it is, as you get closer and closer to the central place of worship, you should come with your praise. We should, we should come 
uh, with our praise because he is worthy of it. Praise simply means to, to say good things about. That's what it means. We should, we should say, things, say good things about God and praise him and exalt him for all that he has done for us. And notice, this should accompany you as you come into public worship. That's what he's saying there. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've got a wife and four kids, and, and, and we don't always enter the parking lot <laughs> praising God, right? Um, I, I, I'll just tell you, I'm not perfect. I'm going to be transparent with you tonight. There have been times on the way to church I've lost my temper, and I found myself yelling at my kids, um, and, and I get out of the van, and I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm not in a good place, right? I got to kind of get in a quiet place and pray and, and uh, ask for some forgiveness and ask, you know, ask the Lord to do a work in my life. And, and you know how it is. You fight all the way to church, you get out, and you smile at people walking by. Oh, hey, how are y'all? We're doing good. Hey, thank good. We're good, man. I mean, you yell at each other for, you know, the last 10 minutes and, and you know, get your shoes and come on. And, you know, it's, just, it's crazy, right? Uh, but but we, in the midst of all the chaos and, and the business, as we, as we come to worship, we need to come with our praise, right? We shouldn't wait for uh, Travis to tell us to praise. We ought to, we ought to bring our praise with us, amen? And, and can I tell you, when a congregation brings their praise with them, the, the worship is much more exciting. It really is. And so we should celebrate because he's worthy of our praise. Next, why should we celebrate? Why should we shout? Why should we serve? Why should we sing? Because he is good, verse 5, for... The Lord, covenant name of God, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Yahweh, for the Lord is good. Again, childhood song that teaches us truth. God is great. God is what? Good. God is good. Over in Psalm 119, the Bible, I think it's verse 68, somewhere right in there, it says that the Lord is good and he does good. In other words, his very nature is good, goodness, and everything he does is good. Everything he does is right. God's never done a wrong thing. Now, based upon that scripture, here's what that means. God has never let you down because he's good. Now, I'm not saying you haven't gone through hard times or difficult times or experienced great hardship in your life. I'm just telling you that God is good and he somehow takes even the hard things and weaves them together for our ultimate good, Romans 8, 28, right? He's good and he's always working to, to do good for us on our behalf. He is a good God. Uh, my favorite hymn, and I've got about five of them, all right? Uh, my favorite hymn is... Uh, all the way my Savior leads me. Fanny Crosby hymn. And the reason I love that hymn is because there's a line in that first verse that says, or first chorus that says, um, I know whatever befalls me, Jesus doeth all things well. I just love that line. For I know whatever befalls me, whatever comes my way, Jesus does all things well. He is good. And so we should celebrate His Goodness. We should never call his goodness into question. We should recognize his goodness and rejoice in his goodness and remember his goodness. He is good. But then next, this is related, but 
Why should we celebrate? Well, He loves us. Look what it says in verse 5. For the Lord is good, and His steadfast love endures forever. That phrase, steadfast love, is a translation of, and I've said this often in our study of the Psalms, but it's a translation of the Hebrew word kesed. And kesed is sort of the, probably the closest Hebrew equivalent to grace. Um, but grace doesn't just, it, it's more than this, it's more. It, it, it's, 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 it's the kind of comprehensive word kesed. It, it, it carries with the idea of mercy and grace and love and steadfastness and all of these things. So it, it speaks of the way that God, um, uh, God cares for us, God uh, um, God adores us. God loves us. That's what it says. His steadfast love for us adore, uh, uh, um, endures forever. And so isn't it good to remember and good to celebrate that God loved the God of the universe, the God that spoke, and the universe leapt into existence, right? That's what he did. He spoke, and he said, let there be light, and there was light, right? And, and he did that with the entire universe. He's the creator of everything, and he's all-powerful, and he's sovereign and he's all knowing i mean he has the capacity to just destroy us in a moment and he has the knowledge to know that we deserve to be destroyed i mean he knows everything about us right he knows every thought we thought every word we've said every deed we've performed he knows everything about us and yet that god loves us and we should celebrate that. Now, I don't know why this is, but right, probably the reality that people struggle with the most to believe is that God loves them. People really struggle, even, even Christians. Can, does God, I mean, does He really love me? Does that mean, does He really love me? I mean, no, it, the preacher says, and I, you know, some Bible verses about me. Does he really love me? And we struggle with grasping and believing that concept. And yet, the Bible says in Romans five eight that God proves His love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's objective reality. The cross declares over your life that you are love, that He loves us, and we should celebrate His love. Now again, when it comes to earthly love, we don't have a problem celebrating that, do we? We get excited about maybe a love relationship, um, or uh, love in a family setting, or a, a friendship, and we, we, we celebrate love and know that love is a wonderful, special thing, but sometimes we lose sight of the fact, the amazing fact that God loves us. And let me give you a final reason that we should celebrate. He is faithful. Look what it says. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures how long? So will God ever stop loving you? No. It goes on forever and ever. And that's good, right? Aren't you glad His love doesn't just come and go? He's like, yeah, I loved you yesterday, but man, you blew it. I don't love you anymore, right? That God doesn't, God doesn't do that. He's, he, he loves us. And it says, not only does his love endure forever, his faithfulness to all generations. So God's faithful. He always comes through on his promises. He always does the right thing. He always keeps his word. 
He is faithful. We can trust Him with whatever life brings our direction. He is faithful, and there are two parties. He's faithful to us. It says there, we should should remember His faithfulness, right? His faithfulness in our lives. And by the way, one of the best ways to celebrate God's faithfulness is just to look back. Just look back. If 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 you're struggling to remember that God is faithful, just, just look back at your life. I remember uh, I was at some conference, some leadership conference, and I can't remember what it was, but they had us do a, a life map, you know, like here's, you know, where I was born and, you know, how I grew up and where I grew up and who my parents were and when I met Jesus and then what happened next and you had little lines and dots and, and you drew this, this little life map and, and then after you drew the life map, people got in a group and, and you would explain your life map to these other other folks, um, listen. If we all if we all did a life map in here, we would just be reminded of how faithful God has been. There's a song I love. I quoted off from Stephen Kirsch Chapman. He says in that song, "I may not see in front of me, but I can see for miles when I look over my shoulder." And and Lord, it's clear you brought me here. So faithful every step of the way. Don't you like that? I may not see in front of me, but I can see for miles when I look over my shoulder. And Lord, it's clear you brought me here so faithful every step of the way. It's one of the best ways to just stir up those remembrances of of God's faithfulness is just to look back. He is faithful to us. He has been faithful to me. But not only that, it gets even better. He is faithful to those who come behind us. Look what it says, the last phrase of this psalm. The Lord is good, verse 5. His steadfast love endures how long? Forever. And His faithfulness, watch this, to all generations. So not only is God faithful to you, He has the character and the unchanging nature and capacity to be faithful to those who come after you. If He's faithful to you, He'll be faithful to your kids. If you be faithful to your kids, he'd be faithful to your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids. He is faithful to those who come behind us. And that is, it, that is so important. It is critical, listen to me, that you and I point our kids and grandkids and those that come behind us, point them to the God who is faithful. And to tell them, God's been good to me, and if you'll follow him, he'll be good to you too. But let me tell you what's happening. We aren't passing on this this confidence in the faithfulness of God, this call to trust God to the next generation. You look at uh, my generation, which is what, Generation X, I think was what they called us, what they call us. But some recent surveys, religious affiliation type surveys, about 25% of those who are Generation X uh, identify themselves as nuns, like no religious affiliation. I just don't, I'm not into that. And there was a, a percentage that were evangelical Christian and then other religious things. I'm not talking about just saved nuns. I'm talking about folks who just said, I, I don't identify with any religious idea at all, right? 25%. Well, guess what the percentage is with millennials, which is the next generation, roughly those born between 1980 and the year 2000, Millennials, the number's gone up to 35%. And 
If you go back to the baby boomers and you look at each generation, the percentage of those who are nuns goes up. And the percentage of those that are evangelical Christians goes down. Now think about that. You know what that means? Here's what that means. It means we are losing our children and our children's children. Each successive generation has more and more unbelief in it. Now that's terrifying, isn't it? And it's unacceptable because our God will be faithful to them if they'll believe in Him. So we need to tell them, God is faithful. He is good. He loves you. Trust Him. Follow Him. Live for Him. Worship Him. And you will experience His faithfulness just like I did. And so, He is faithful to us. He's faithful to those who come behind us. I love what Charles Spurgeon says, As our fathers found Him faithful, so will our sons and their seed forever. Aren't you glad that you can point your kids to a God who will be faithful to them even after you're gone? When you're off the scene, guess what? They're still going to be taken care of. They're still going to be loved. Still going to be provided for. Because God is faithful. Amen? So in this psalm, we see a call to celebrate. Shout, serve, sing, and we see some reasons we ought to celebrate. He's God. He made us. We belong to Him. He shepherds us. He is worthy of our gratitude. He's worthy of our praise. He is good. He loves us. He is faithful to us and to those who come behind us. Those are just, just some reasons to celebrate. So listen to me. If you, if you uh, find yourself and in, in your worship uh, is a little dry, your, your walk with God is just a little stale and stagnant, and, and, and your heart just feels just a little bit, just a little bit apathetic towards the Lord, Maybe you need to just fold this piece of paper and and put it in your Bible and every so often just take it out, read Psalm 100, and just remind yourselves of why you ought to celebrate. Just remind yourself of who God is and what He has done for you. A call to celebrate, a reason to celebrate, the Lord is good.